Welcome to T. Rowe Price's Confident Conversations on Retirement. My name is Michael Davis, and I'm thrilled to be your host. I've spent my career working to help people build a durable retirement. It is such an honor to do this work, and an even greater privilege to be with the retirement experts here with us today. These professionals can help you feel more confident about your own retirement, whether you're planning for retirement or already there. Today's episode focuses on how women can take control of their wealth and retirement, and I'm so thrilled to be joined by two T. R. Price experts, Jean Dunn and Judith Ward. They are accomplished speakers, authors, and are certified financial planner professionals. Jean, Judy, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be here. Happy to be here. Great to have you. I know this is a topic that you're both very passionate about. I would say that I am, too. I have two daughters, the oldest of which is going off to college. I think an awful lot about the decisions that she's going to make now that she's more independent. But you are both certified financial professionals. And I'm just wondering, what was the first lesson you learned about investing in money that gave rise to the passion you have today about helping women prepare for their own retirement? I'll start with you, Judy. I would say I became passionate about helping women save for retirement and understand retirement from my mom and my mother-in-law. So when my dad passed away, I saw some of the challenges that my mom had. When my father-in-law passed away, there were challenges, different challenges that my mother-in-law had. For example, with my mom, her Social Security benefit went in half, and she was not expecting that at all. But her expenses didn't decline by half. So I saw some of that struggle there. My mother-in-law, she never worked outside the home. My father-in-law took care of all the finances. And when he passed away, she didn't even know how to write a check. Not that we write checks anymore, many of us, but she knew nothing about the household finances. So she was well off financially, but it was a different kind of challenge. And when I experienced that, that's when I really became passionate about not wanting to see other women face those kinds of challenges. Mm, Thanks so much. How about you, Jean? Sure. Thanks, Michael. And I share your passion as well. And I think a lot of it was based on some experiences that I had really young in life. I grew up feeling like money was the ever-present elephant in the room. It felt like it informed almost every decision my family made with an attitude towards scarcity, which didn't really make sense to me. I felt like we had a comfortable lifestyle. But I heard these four words over and over again, we can't afford it. And I started to internalize, we can't afford it as you are not worth it. And what I didn't realize at the time was that my family was prioritizing education and how expensive that education was. I'm one of five children and sending five children through private school and college is such an enormous expense. And my parents gave me the gift of graduating college without any student loans. But, you know, my teenage brain didn't make that connection that that was what was important to them. So when I grew up, spending became an expression of my self-worth. But spending time exploring my attitudes towards money and investing has made me more intentional. And now I save to spend bigger. And that's how I became a spender in a family of savers. So I always recognized that feeling of kind of being outside, a little bit alienated from the group. And I think that's how many women feel when it comes to money and investing. They feel alienated. They don't necessarily feel part of the group. And so I'm really passionate about bringing them in. 
I feel the passion and so great to see. So we know when it comes to retirement that women have some unique and distinctive challenges, such as the wage earnings gap, time out of the workplace, and also they tend to live longer than men. So how do we address those issues so that women can feel more confident about their retirement? I'll start with you, Judy. I think this just shows the importance of saving for retirement and being very intentional about saving for retirement and making sure as a household that you're on track for retirement and understanding then also what is the plan. You know, a lot of couples, they need to be on the same page. They need to be tracking together. If a woman is out of the workforce caring for the children, that doesn't mean that she shouldn't be involved in the retirement savings and understanding how the household is tracking for retirement. And at that point, the saving might be on one spouse versus the other, just to make sure that that spouse understands that they're saving for the household. So I think just being intentional about saving. At T. Rowe Price, we recommend that investors save 15% of their income for retirement. That could be at a household level. So even if a woman, like I said, is out of the workforce, it might be the other spouse that has to save that 15%. And I would also say, you know, try to stay connected. There might be a point where you want to go back into the workforce. Maybe try to keep a resume up to date, try to stay active in something that you like so that if you do want to re-enter the workforce, it might be a lot easier. How about you, Jean? I agree with everything Judy said, and I want to emphasize the point of getting involved. So oftentimes we see a division of duties in households, right? One person becomes the household CFO, that primary decision maker for investments, and the other partner oftentimes is the financial manager managing the day-to-day expenses. And it makes sense, right? There's a division of every duties, all duties in every household, not both partners take out the trash. But oftentimes I find that women aren't that household CFO, that primary decision maker for investments. And getting involved is so critically important. So finding that time, and it isn't necessarily something you have to do every day, but finding that time, maybe once every couple of months to connect with your investments and your retirement plans is so important. And Michael, I want to address one thing that you talked about, which is around confidence. I personally believe women's confidence with regards to finances has much more to do with gender norms than actual competence. You know, for example, research shows that in order to apply for a job, women feel that they need to meet 100% of the criteria, while men usually apply after meeting about 60% of the criteria. And this is a generalization, so there's always exceptions. But in general, men express confidence on any task, more confidence on any task, not just financial task. And so I encourage women, I often hear them say, you know, I need to learn more about investing before I start. They need to get 100% of that criteria, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I would say, no, you don't. No, you don't. The be- you know, the best thing you could do is start. You don't have to know everything to start. I think these are such important concepts. Judy, did you have another thought you wanted to share? Yeah, I think what Jean was talking about, women feeling confident about investing, I think that also goes in the workforce. Women might be hesitant to negotiate a salary or try to move up in the career, or they feel like they have to have everything checked off, and men don't. Also, you know, I know we're talking about retirement, but to save for retirement, 
the bigger your salary, the more you're going to be able to save. So I think that's also an area that women are very competent and just look at that career progression and own that. That's such a great thought. I'm curious about younger women, and particularly women who may not have had some of these barriers. Should they save more for retirement, you think, Judy? They, again, should be considering that 15% of salary threshold. And where we see with younger women some of the different challenges is debt. We see younger women, they might have student loan debt and even debt outside of student loans. So it's trying to manage that debt so that you can then save for retirement. So based on the research that's out there, what do you see in terms of what women are doing really well when it comes to saving for retirement? I'll start with Eugene. Thanks, Michael. And I go back to that comment that confidence doesn't necessarily equal competence, right? And in fact, there's been numerous studies done that shows when women are actually making those investment decisions, they outperform men by almost one percentage point every year. And that's a really significant number when you think about the many years that you save for retirement. So women are actually better investors than men. If you knew my wife, you would know there's no debate in my house on who's a better investor. How about you, Judy? What do you think? I think women tend to be more thoughtful. And so when they do apply that to saving for retirement and investing, they do it really well, just as Jean was saying. I think they can be more intentional than men. Sometimes I think men are more concerned about finding the best investment ever, whereas women just are saving for a goal. I think just being thoughtful about it and having that perspective of I'm trying to achieve a goal is just really beneficial trait for women. Excellent. Do you think women and men approach money differently when it comes to managing risk? And I'll start with Eugene. Thanks, Michael. There's actually been some research done that looks at what men and women value. Men and women value different things. It turns out that women value security much more than men. Now, security can mean a lot of things. It can mean where you live, where you send your children to school. But when it comes to investments and financial planning, the need for security can often come up during that risk tolerance conversation. And I'm just going to add one more level of complexity on this for you. And that's the fact that women and men perceive the word risk differently. Now, if you think about it, we in the financial industry, we kind of think of risk as a technical term. It's about the volatility of returns over time. But to people that don't work in the financial industry, oftentimes there's an emotional connection with the word risk that differs based on your gender. When men hear the word risk, it's viewed in a positive light. Like risk is go big or go home. Risk is I'm going to go out and feed my family. Risk is necessary for survival. But when women hear the term risk, you know, we view it in a negative light. Risk to women is something that you do that's bad, that may or may not result in a negative outcome. Risk is not wearing your seatbelt. Risk is not putting your children in a car seat. And it was so enlightening to me. I was speaking to a group of women investors, and I told this story about the word risk. And one woman raised her hand up and she said, oh, my gosh, Jean, I need to have a conversation with my financial professional. When he asked me what my risk tolerance was, in my mind, I was thinking, what's my tolerance for jumping off a cliff? These are her words verbatim. And I know that's not what the financial professional intended. 
So I think we as an industry have to recognize these gender differences and start to have conversations with our clients about trade-offs. When you're thinking about saving for retirement, sure, you could put your money in less risky assets. That just means you're going to have to save more and perhaps delay your retirement. So talking about terms of trade-offs and helping women meet their needs for security, making sure you have that emergency fund oftentimes makes women more comfortable for investing for that long-term goal like retirement. Really thoughtful. How about you, Judy? I think Jean mentioned some of this before, and I talk about start now, learn later. The time value of money is so important, and getting started is so important for women. And I love the conversation that Jean was just sharing about this idea of risk And that's one of the things that we can do is help women understand what is an appropriate asset allocation for a retirement time horizon. How can we help them get into investments that are going to be appropriate? And I do like what Jean mentioned about this idea of an emergency fund, money on the side that's there to help you get through challenging times. It's your personal safety net. And so building that up so that you have that on the side, I think, might help women to invest more appropriately for their longer-term goals. So earlier in the conversation, Jean, you talked about this idea of a household CFO. I thought that was such a great concept, and you talked about getting involved. But just curious, why is it important for women to lean into household finances, even if it may not feel comfortable for them to do so? Sure, Michael. And it's interesting. We tend to avoid things that are uncomfortable, right? (laughs) And if you think about money and investing, if you're not that household CFO, and I recognize women don't have a surplus of time on their hands. We're all busy, but it's so critically important to find a little time to focus on your finances because eight out of 10 women at some point in their lives become the sole decision maker for all household decisions. And I think about the story that Judy shared at the beginning of you know, her family's personal experience. We all know a woman who at some point in their life became that sole decision maker and was unprepared. And oftentimes it's because of a major life event. And that's the last thing that they need on their plate at that time. So if you can start to prepare in advance, I think it makes a huge difference. Judy, would you like to comment on that question as well? Sure. If something should happen to your spouse or partner or something should happen to the marriage, that's what I call preparing for the what ifs. And just understanding the household finances and understanding how you're tracking towards your goals is just so important. And Michael, can I add one thing? Because I started off with a, with a negative scenario, but I also think there's a positive scenario that I'd, I'd love to share. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if you think about any Hollywood movie about our industry, it's, it's a movie dominated by men and it focuses on greed. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the reality. You know, in reality, money isn't a bad or good thing in and of itself. Money is simply a tool to help you achieve your dreams, your vision for yourself and for your family. And if you start to take that mindset, you begin to understand that the more that you're involved and intentional with your finances, the quicker you can achieve your dreams, right? Certainly agree. I think those are incredible insights. Jean, any thoughts on if you're a single woman, how they should approach saving and particularly saving for retirement? I think single women 
have the opportunity to control their entire finances. They don't have to deal with the dynamics of a different individual that may have different points of view. So when I think about control, I think there's a big advantage to determining what your financial goals are as an individual and not having necessarily to compromise on those goals. The one thing that I think is helpful is if you're looking for additional information, using a financial professional can help in some situations. But the unique advantage of a single woman is they are the household CFO by default. So they're going through this journey every day. Just as Judy shared before, it's so important just to start. Don't think that you have to know everything. One of the biggest predictors of success in retirement is time saved, how many years you're saving for retirement. I would just add for single women especially, we talked about this idea of an emergency fund, money on the side that you can easily access. I think it's important for single women to have that because they may not have a second income coming into the household that they can rely on should financial challenges arise. It also helps women to make changes in their life, you know, having that little safety net of money. And generally, we talk about having an amount that would cover three to six months of expenses just to help you get through a challenging time if you lose a job or if you want to proactively change your job. At least having that money might help you feel more confident that you can spend the time to look to better your circumstances. So, Judy, where can people go for more information on retirement and investing? I think one of the first places they can look is with their employer and their workplace plan, their 401k plan, for example. A lot of employers now will provide not only health and wellness information, but also financial wellness to provide resources and tools to help you understand how you should be investing, to help you understand how to manage debt, to help you understand this idea of the emergency fund, budgeting. So that would, I would say, is the first place to look. I also would definitely encourage folks to utilize resources like financial professionals that can help them craft a financial plan designed to meet their retirement goals. That's great. So we know that there are many Americans that don't have access to a workplace retirement plan. How do you think they can save for retirement? And Judy, I'll start with you. Sure. Well, they can definitely utilize an IRA, an individual retirement account, and that comes in two flavors. There's one we call a traditional IRA where you put your money into the account and you may be able to deduct the contribution so it helps to lower your taxable income. The other flavor is a Roth IRA where you don't get that tax benefit today, but in retirement, qualified distributions are tax-free which I think is a great benefit in retirement. And a lot of times I might suggest for younger investors who you know, might be in a lower tax bracket to really consider a Roth IRA. The other benefit to the Roth IRA is that you can use your contributions at any time. Being a certified financial planner, of course, I'd like people to just continue to save and not use it until retirement, but it does have that benefit. So IRAs are definitely an option. The challenge with that is that you're limited as to how much you can put in each year. So you might also need to kind of supplement those savings in just like a regular taxable brokerage account, for example, that you can continue to save in. 
So, Judy, where do I go to get an IRA? You can go to a bank, other financial institutions, mutual fund company, through your financial professional, if you're working with one. You have lots of choices, and IRAs provide a wide selection of investment options. You have to do two decisions. One is, how much money are you going to invest? And there are limitations with an IRA. But then, how are you going to invest that money? So you may have to choose an investment option as well. But you have lots of choices, a wide selection of investment options. So it's a good idea to shop around among several IRA providers before opening the account. And look for the investment options you want and reasonable investment fees. So also a note about Roth IRAs, there are income restrictions. So depending on the household income, you may or may not be able to contribute to a Roth IRA. But also with a traditional IRA, your contribution may or may not be deductible depending on your income and whether you participate in an employer-based plan. So we've covered such wonderful territory these last several minutes, and I think these ideas of being intentional, getting involved, have come through loud and clear. Just key takeaways that you would have that you'd want the audience to be left with from the discussion. I'll start with you, Judy. Key takeaway is just get started. As we said, you don't have to know it all to get started. Um, Be intentional. Make sure you're taking advantage of a workplace plan. How about you, Jean? Key takeaways from today's discussion? So key takeaways, many women feel alienated by the financial services industry and perhaps have avoided it in the past. And that's perfectly understandable. But it's so important for you to start to take control of your financial future. And one little off-the-wall idea I'll give you. I'd encourage women that are in book clubs, pick a book about money and investing for your next book club. And, and that can encourage a natural discussion. Yeah, I love that suggestion. And then now you also have your network, right, that you can have those money conversations. And, and hopefully it would be a safe space, too. Just curious, any final thoughts you may have based on the conversation we've had today, which has been really rich? I'll start with you, Judy. I would just offer up that women, whether we choose to or not, at some point, we may be responsible for our own finances. And so just to understand the finances of the household and be prepared for those what-ifs, and that's totally in your control, and to be intentional as we've talked about. How about you, Jean? To think about the fact that money is simply a tool to help you achieve your dreams. And if you take on that mindset, you start to become more motivated to become involved and intentional with your finances in order for you to more quickly achieve those dreams. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Jean, Judy. This has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Thank you. It was just so great having this conversation with you both. Agreed. It's always a pleasure speaking with Judy and you as well, Michael. Again, I'm Michael Davis, and I want to thank you for listening to Confident Conversations on Retirement. Be sure to join us for our next episode that focuses on family money conversations. If you like this podcast, please rate us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, be well, and I wish you all many confident tomorrows to come. T. Rowe Price, Retire with Confidence. This episode of Confident Conversations on Retirement is provided for general and educational purposes only and is not intended to provide legal, tax, or investment advice. This podcast does not provide recommendations concerning investments, investment strategies, or account types. It is not individualized to the needs of any specific investor. 
and not intended to suggest any particular investment action is appropriate for you, nor is it intended to serve as a primary basis for investment decision-making. Investors will need to consider their own circumstances before making an investment decision. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. The views contained herein are as of the date noted on the material and are subject to change without notice. These views may differ from those of other T. Rowe Price Group companies and or associates. This information is not intended to reflect a current or past recommendation, investment advice of any kind, or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment services. The material has not been reviewed by any regulatory authority in any jurisdiction. The opinions and commentary provided do not take into account the investment objectives or financial situation of any particular investor or class of investor. Investors will need to consider their own circumstances before making an investment decision. Information and opinions presented have been obtained or derived from sources believed to be reliable and current. However, we cannot guarantee the source's accuracy or completeness. IRAs and retirement accounts should be considered long-term investments. Both IRAs and retirement accounts generally have expenses and account fees, which may impact the value of the account. Maximum IRA contributions are subject to eligibility requirements. Early withdrawals are subject to taxes and possible penalties. For more detailed information about taxes, consult a tax attorney or accountant for advice. In order to contribute to a Roth IRA, single filers must have modified adjusted gross income, MAGI, modified AGI, under $125,000 for tax year 2021. Married couples filing jointly must have modified adjusted gross income, MAGI, modified AGI, under $198,000 for tax year 2021. Or, you may not be eligible to contribute if your income is $140,000 or more in tax year 2021 for single filers, or $208,000 or more in tax year 2021 for joint filers. Or, if your modified AGI is above a certain amount, your contribution limit is gradually reduced. Copyright 2021 T. Rowe Price, All Rights Reserved. T. Rowe Price, Invest with Confidence, Retire with Confidence, The Bighorn Sheep Design, and Confident Conversations, collectively and or apart, are trademarks of T. Rowe Price Group Incorporated, All Rights Reserved. T. Rowe Price Investment Services Incorporated, Distributor, T. Rowe Price Associates Incorporated, Investment Advisor.